joining me on the pod, Danny Hodges. Welcome back. Hello. Hi, Danny. Uh... Truth, truth be told, Danny, we actually had you in here two weeks ago, but uh, our audio got all messed up, didn't it? So, yeah. Uh, Cameron, what were we talking about at the time? Signing Mello, I reckon? And Yeah, uh, it was around that time. We talked about that time. the Heat just somehow playing well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Mello again uh, in a little bit. But let's just go around the league for a little bit of a roundup of recent action. Um, last night, as we speak, the Lakers took on the Utah Jazz on a back-to-back, after comprehensively beating the Denver Nuggets, they also took down the Utah Jazz uh, pretty comprehensively in a in what was a good performance. And this came with sort of a bounce back from a loss to the Dallas Mavericks. Because, um, of course, they had this massive win streak, but against teams all sort of under 500. Um, so then they lost to the Mavs, and you, you're thinking like, oh, is this actually the real team? Yeah. Not as good as they, they Two seem. Two good players but, and a bit But of... they've bounced back well. So, um, yeah, what have you made of their of their little road trip? Um, was well, against a good you like a Utah Jazz of obviously 12 and 10. I feel like it's about right. They're not a bad team. They're not a great team. They're a good team. And they, like, need, well, nearly 30 point below out. It was... Uh, yeah, 121 to 96 yeah, in the end. 26 points. So it was kind of decisive. That's the one word, I think. Yeah. Against the Mavericks team, who I was surprised they beat them when uh, they beat the Lakers, but you can see that bounce back, and you've obviously got a fit AD for once, who actually doesn't seem like he's going to get injured, and LeBron, who just never seems to get injured, and they're just still they're still bossing it over the West Conference. Yeah, well, you you say that about AD, but he did play against the game with the Nuggets. He had a an IVF uh, sort of what's it called a. Uh, a thing in his arm, didn't he? What's it was called? It? Like oh. a catheter? Not a catheter. That's not the right no, thing. No, that's, <laughs> right. that's, that's uh, very wrong. But he had, oh, uh, yeah, um, he had this uh, tube in his arm at half time to get him over his um, flu symptoms. So, um, yeah, he's really playing through it. But um, yeah, they're they're looking extremely solid and really bounce back. Um, the game against the Mavericks that was on a nice time for English audiences. Don't know if you watched it, but I managed to catch it. I couldn't catch it. I was well, busy, sadly. Well, the Lakers were. I thought really bad <laughs> in the third quarter, especially. Um, their offense was completely static. They weren't going anywhere. And, you know, as the first sort of full Lakers game that I caught this year, I, th- I, I was a bit worried. I was like, this record is lying about how good this team are. Yeah. But I'm a bit more encouraged now beating two really good teams in Denver and Utah on the road. It's, yeah, against Denver are always a good um, season team. You're always going to, I think the last few years, especially last year, you, I, this year, I expect them to have at least fifty to fifty-five wins. Um, doesn't mean they're necessarily a, like they're a team that just put up good, like good numbers in the um, league and good wins. They are a really good team, and I think this year they've even stepped up even more. So beating them, I was quite think I was I was thinking to myself, well, they're not just a one-trick pony, though, because they're not just relying on AD and uh, and LeBron. But look, I'm just looking at the stats at the Mavericks game and. It was only AD and LeBron who got over twenty points. Yeah, that's how poor the rest of the team were. Yeah, well, I, I didn't think LeBron had his best game either. A lot of turnovers from him. Um, just on the on the Mavericks, I mean, we were talking a little off air. Luka Doncic has been absolutely unbelievable. Amazing. Um, and he's, I mean, criminally, I think he's younger than me, which is a disgrace. <laughs> uh, only twenty years old. I'm twenty one. So yeah, I'm twenty one. Yeah. I'll, what are we doing here? I know. But yeah, do you, I mean, you must enjoy watching Luca play. He's very enjoyable because he's very, he's not freakishly athletic, which is what I find quite fun in players. It, but it's just, he, he's also enjoyable in the sense that the way he's so skillful and the way he could just do stuff and it's, 
like he pulled up in front of LeBron and shot a three and yeah. drained it, and it was just like, well, like, like there are very few, if any, players that could do that. Yeah. Just watching him already at such a young age, would you say there's any weakness in his game? No, not really. Well, I think because he played professional for about four years before the NBA, I just feel like a lot of the weaknesses that he probably had that we don't know about were obviously sorted out because mm. it's it was it's more of a team game in Europe. So I'm guessing his weaknesses he had to work on a bit more because like it was it hindered the team. Whereas I feel like in the NBA, it's more like if this player's got a weakness, we'll just get a player who tries and counteracts that. Yeah, and you can sort of hide a weakness on an yeah. NBA team a little bit. But I mean, potentially on the defensive end, would you say? But I, I, it's not really negatively impacted Dallas, no, to be honest. I guess the only thing is, like, he's athletic, but he's not freakishly athletic. So mm. I guess maybe against people like LeBron, who when they hit full speed or 80, like, obviously, and they, he may have a problem defending them. But I haven't seen him, like, I've not seen him, I've not seen a highlight or a clip where he's been dropped or something. Yeah, exactly. I think, obviously, because he's their main offensive weapon for Dallas, he's not asked to do loads on defense. He's yeah. often hid, you know, he'll go and run to the corner and uh, defend a corner shooter. Um, but I can't say I've seen anything that particularly highlights him as a, as a hugely negative uh, defender. And at, what, he's like six foot seven, He's got really good size. I think he's, he is deceptively strong as well. And you can sort of see that when he's attacking the basket. Yeah, well, he's about 230 pounds as well. So he's got a bit of muscle. Yeah, he's got, he's got weight. So I, I feel like that stands him in good stead. I mean, that kind of, that size and height, that's kind of the archetypal perfect defender kind of size. Like yeah. Draymond's like 6'6". Six, six. I'm thinking like Robert Covington's like 6'8 and really yeah. long. Um, yeah, Andre Robinson, like how tall? He's quite. He's about six six or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like Lonzo Ball's a really good defender, six seven, I think. Basically, you've got to be quite tall, but also really long arms. Yeah, and be able to move your feet quickly yeah. as well. And I think it's fair to say Luke does really have really quick feet. I mean, like we say, not that he's an outstanding defender, but we're just. I think we're just pointing out here that he's not necessarily a negative on that end either. It's like we're really trying to pinpoint, pick, like nitpick yeah. what is wrong with him. Yeah, and the answer is pretty much. Nothing really. Yeah. Um, what What do you make of yeah his MVP chances? Like you were saying, I mean, is it? I can't think of like obviously I got into the NBA around two thousand fifteen sixteen, and since then I've never seen a player who's come out of court well out of the NBA draft in the second season had a real chance of winning it. Yeah, um, you'd have to go back to maybe LeBron and his second year. He was probably dropping good numbers, but I can't remember which year that was his second year. But I just can't think of anybody in the history who's off the top of my head there probably will be if anyone listens and comment they'll probably be like oh I'll be like Oscar Robinson when he came into the league or whatever sure. or something like that but I can't think of in the modern era of someone that who's just literally come out of like the draft second year has won the rookie year and then second year is like well I could very well win the MVP yeah I'm just trying I think LeBron had MVP votes in his second year yeah. which would have been uh, 04 05 I think um, but he didn't he didn't Kevin win it, done it? Kevin got what on that year? Yeah, well, I don't know, Danny. We, we should we should look that up. But yeah. um, but like I, it just it was it's it's one of them things that the fact that he's even in just the discussion that he is in this discussion of possibly yeah. like I think I was looking about a few days ago about the top five who some uh, commentator from America put on ESPN I believe put the top five um. Uh, who he thinks could be MVP, and obviously Giannis was LeBron, yeah. and then you went on to Luca, 
and you were just kind of like the fact that Luke is third. Yeah, the fact that he's even in the discussion uh, is absolutely outstanding. And yeah, like you say, so he, he averaged a 30-point triple-double for the month of November, which he's only the third player to do that after Oscar Robertson and Russell Westbrook. And for the season, like you were saying to me off-air, uh, he is essentially a averaging a triple-double. He's, you know, he's on like 30 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, isn't he? Um, and I think the assist, uh, sorry, the uh, rebound numbers is what I wasn't necessarily expecting him no. to get out of those. And I, I guess we've got to wait to see if they'll decline somewhat. But um, yeah, still early days for me, just fil uh, yeah. filter out. But yeah. But if he can, I mean, if he averages this for the rest of the season, those are MVP numbers. I mean, LeBron's always praised for his 27, 8 and 8. Yeah. And, and you say, wow, that's like, the, that's the best stats in the league. That's worthy of an MVP, essentially. If Luke is doing 39 and 9, I mean, he's got to be up there. Um, yeah. It's weird because it's comparing... People can obviously are, are, are comparing LeBron and Luca for many reasons because they're probably the best... I don't know, the best draft prospect that's ever come out. In the, like, in, since the turn of millennium, I think they've probably been the most talked about, the most, like, they've seen the sudden impact. Like, obviously, we haven't seen Zion yet. We haven't seen... Yeah, I was going to uh, say, Zion... I think Zion was probably more talked yeah. about. I mean, Luke wasn't even drafted first, yeah, if you remember. Yeah, well, I, I was looking, drafted by the Hawks. I'm, I, like, I know they got Trey Young, but I feel like any team who... Look, yeah, well, from that trade, of course, so Hawks got Trey Young and then a draft pick, which turned into Cam Reddish. Yeah. So, you know, long term, potentially not a bad haul for the Hawks, but, like, how can you pass on Luca? Well, he's averaging. So, just a quick uh, Google search. And also, just for some fact, uh, Steve Nash won it the year LeBron did, which is obviously just like... Uh, but then you're looking at LeBron's second year. He averaged, just across the board, stats, 27.2 points. 2.2 steals, 7.2 assists, and 7.4 rebounds. Is that so in his sophomore season? Yeah. Yeah. Le uh, Doncic is averaging 30.3 points, 10.1 rebounds, 9.2 assists, <sighs> and if the steals load, 1.4 steals. So that's the only that? category that he's down on LeBron, but that's still really good. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable raw statistics from Luca. Do you I'm, expect uh, him to sort of have a second half of the season drop off at all? Possibly, because you always do see people who come out the gates really strong and then they kind of filter out a little bit. That just happens. Sometimes you get you get a good run of form. It could be during the season, at the end of the season, uh, beginning of the season. Like how many times at the end of the season has someone had a really good run of form where like, oh, they're going to be brilliant next year and they just don't? Yeah. Um, I feel like when you've got a talent like this, even if it drops ever so slightly by about three points, about two rebounds and about one assist, that's still really good. Like his plus minus, uh, what? Forget it. it says minus sixteen. Not great. No, no, that can't be right. Yeah, I can't. I don't be think right. that can't be right. I think I'm maybe last. But so basically, I think that's a factual error on whatever website I was looking at. Just that. <laughs> yeah. But be, but if I think you're also looking at the team as well, which was the other point I was going to bring up, is that. Um, He's on not on a very good Dallas Mavericks team when you look at the kind of in my opinion, I looked at the roster about a week ago and I thought, all right, outside Pazingas. Mm. So yeah, it's not I get what you're saying. You look at the roster and Pazingas stands out and he's not having a great season yeah. and no one else stands out on that roster. Um but I think we've got to give them their credit because they are currently the best offense in the league, uh, and a historic offense at that. And I am loving what, what you are getting from the likes of uh, Finney Smith starting um, Jalen Brunson off the bench. 
Uh, Seth Curry off the bench as well. He's always a good uh, sharp, like his brother. He's always a good sharp shooter. Yeah, well, he's probably just more of a three points shooter than. Yeah, but he still obviously have that off the bench. We could just get someone to like just definitely and handle the ball as well. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. has been doing a really nice job for them. Uh, and I, Justin Jackson as well. Super. I think with Tim Hardaway Jr., I feel like he's got a lot of hate that his time at New York because obviously he signed a big contract. A lot yeah. of people thought, why are you signing him? But he's not a bad player. He's a good player. Yes, he may not be an all, an all-star player, but if I had the chance, I would have him on my team just because he's a good player and he could get some points, some buckets. Yeah, I think... See, when when uh, Dallas took that contract as part of the Pozingas trade, yeah. that was seen as a win for New York because he was on such a big contract. So it was kind of dumped off alongside yeah. Pozingas. But actually... Um, He's been really, really useful for them this season. And he may be on a bit much money, but yeah. like you said, he's still probably an above-average NBA player in general. Well, he's really athletic as well. Yeah. And it's always quite handy to have someone. I always like it when a team has someone athletic because you do, you do need someone who could get to the rim and get to dunks. Like, so if you have a team that's quite just, I don't know, slow, you're not sometimes getting that dynamism which someone athletic can bring. But also, just when you talk brief, I just a bit of a tangent, but talking about New York, it's just... They are the arsenal of the basketball world. <laughs> in that, like, they just they have like two players, like one of their who's the guy they drafted, who they thought they're gonna center everything around. They bring him the next NBA championship, and they signed Tim Hardaway for a massive contract, and they get rid of it. And you said, oh, they thought it was a win, and then he actually plays really well for the Dallas Mavericks, and he yeah. just like they they get worse. It's just the most New York thing you could do. Don't come for my Arsenal team. <laughs> We're a superbly run organization. <laughs> There's nothing nothing bad nothing. can be said about <laughs> Arsenal whatsoever. Uh, that's that's for another podcast, I think. <laughs> not not this one. We'll we'll stick to NBA for now. Um, but yeah, just looking at top of the Western Conference then. So Dallas are, are currently in fourth position, 15 and 6. We've talked about the LA Lakers, 19 and 3, uh, and the Denver Nuggets. They're in third, 13 and 5. Uh, let's touch on the LA Clippers, because since they've got Paul George back, um, they've been on an absolute tear. They're 9 and 1 in their last 10. Uh, they scored 150 points uh, against the Washington Wizards in a 150 to 125 victory. And for my money, they're not ranked the best team in the league on their win-loss column. But for my money, this is the best team in basketball. It's 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 gone back to the duos of basketball, like the old days. I don't think there's many big threes anymore. But in that, like, if you look at the best teams, it's more duos like Kawhi and Paul George. AD and LeBron and so on and so forth. Like Harden Westbrook. Yeah. And so it's kind of it's nice to see that, but it's I I do agree. I think it's hard to it's weird because when you say a team LeBron's on and you've got Anthony Davis who's touted as one of the best team best players in the world, and yet they're not the best duo in LA. Yeah. It's really impressive that like finally for the Lakers and an organization which has historically been quite tortured. Mm. I know you had like the this uh, Dunk City, like and all that. Like you had a uh, the Clippers, Spl- yeah. yeah. You had yeah. like Blake Griffin and uh, DeAndre Jordan and Chris yeah. Paul, but that never really fully worked out the way it wanted to. Whereas this actually seems like it will, and I do agree with you. I think the way Kawhi has been playing last year and this year, when he has been fit, and the way Paul George was playing last year, we I remember we talked briefly on your show last year about Paul George being an out, like, uh, like fourth or fifth of our kind of top five five MVP picks. He, he was, was that, unbelievable yeah. last year. Yeah. Defensively, he was probably the best or one of the best. Yeah. Um, so you've got two players who are arguably in a top five MVP like race last year, and they're still keeping up that level. Yeah. And they both of them haven't been playing together, Yeah. which is the, the thing. They got 16 and six. 
when most of the time they haven't been yeah. playing together. Yeah, they're uh, plus 10 on the court together um, per 100, uh, 100 possessions, I believe, um, which is, you know, it's not bad at all. I, I think the thing that's unfair about them really is that they've got four players essentially averaging 20 points per game. Um, so that's Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Lou Williams, and then Montrezl Howard has 19 points per game. It's so mental. that's you're averaging 80 points off four players. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it doesn't take much from the other sort of five players in your rotation to add another, you right. know, Rodney, McCru- Rodney McGruger is kind of a three-point shooter. Yeah. You've got uh, uh, Maurice Harkless, who is a bit undefended, but you could get to the... Ri- like, you've got quite a few, like, Jay McCall Green. Like, you've got ones that can get at least 10 points, 15 points a game. Exactly. On so, top of them. Yeah, so I, I just think it's a bit unfair. Like, that bench, that bench duo of um, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. That is just so far ahead of any other bench in the league. Yeah, that's it their strong unbelie- point. And this this season, really, they have to capitalise on this because Montrez Harrell is on a, an incredibly cheap contract at the moment and he is going to get money oh. when in the off-season. There's um, going to be a team who's an outside contender who's looking at him being like, well, if I could start him, he yeah. can average 20 and like 15. Something like, kind of more like... Um, Oh, is it Joe Malo? Oh, his centre back in the day. It literally had the name. It's gone now, but he was averaging like 20 and 20. He reminds me of that archetype because he's yeah. the same build, very athletic. He works in the low post, but he's really dominant in yeah. kind of the... To get by getting offensive and defensive yeah. rebounds. He's just um, he's getting better and better, and, and that's I'm like a big fan and of that's him. scary. I mean, every time he's on the court, I just he is just absolutely muscling his way through. Moses Malone, that was on the Moses Malone, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I I think obviously the thing for Montrez is he he doesn't really have a shot, and yeah. in the modern <laughs> NBA, that's kind of what the modern center looks like. Yeah. The modern center has an outside shot. Look at Carl Anthony Towns, for example, who is a forty percent three point shooter essentially. Um, but just from, as you say, like a throwback center with bags of energy, um, bags of aggression, he is one of the best in the league yeah. for that. And I feel like if it's working, like it shouldn't, just because I think nowadays the archetypal center is someone who's six, like seven foot, shoots of three at 40% and yeah. can also assist. I feel like it's not necessarily a bad thing that you have a center who's six foot nine, six foot ten. Yeah, he's a bit shorter than yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe even maybe even shorter than that. But yeah, yeah, and he's like, but he's just so good in the low post and so good at kind of just getting rebounds. So it's always quite handy if you have stuff. So I feel like someone who is kind of it reminds me a bit. I guess I brought football up twice. It's like it reminds me nowadays like the old old center fours where you see people like. Andy Carroll, people struggle to play against him because no one knows how to defend against him anymore. Maybe you're kind of seeing that now because everybody can defend against these, are starting to learn to defend against these bigger guys who could shoot there. When you have someone like Montreux Harrow who comes yeah. along and is more of a throwback, but you don't have people who could defend against him, it's quite interesting. That's the thing, isn't it? Uh, all this sport is uh, sport is cyclical in a way, isn't yeah. it? Because, you know, it's, it's, it's this, it's this uh, war of attrition between... Uh, it, like an arms race between attack and defense. Yeah. And so the attack comes up with something new, bigs that can shoot three, and then the de- the defense adjusts to that, and then suddenly the attack, you know, swings back around to uh, yeah. your big man on the block, your, your Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, we'll see a Shaq in about five years' time. Yeah, you know, exactly. Well, uh, isn't his son like coming up through, not like not far off? Is he? Sharif, I, I think, is like a fit, a fit, about two years, maybe three years yeah. off the draft. How tall is he? He's not as big as his dad, but uh, he's still about... I think he's a power forward, but he's still... He's not far from Well, I feel like the new thing in the league could be sort of the Zion Williamson type. Yeah. Although, potentially, he is a bit of a, a athletic freak. So, that, yeah. that maybe is not going to become, like, the archetype. But, yeah, just... Yeah, it's something new. 
Um, well, something old, in fact. Something yeah. old is something new. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, like you said, cyclical all comes back around. Exactly. And also, just briefly touch on like Lou Williams, how good he is. At, he's still going at his age, and also he's kind of he's over thirty now. He's a really short shooting guard. He's about what six foot, six foot one. Like he's not tall for the NBA game, and he's playing a position which is, if he was a, a, a point guard, I'd be a bit more like, oh well. He's a bit shorter, but he's a point guard. But he's playing shooting guard, and he still gets twenty points. It's like I, I'm a big fan of him. I'm surprised if if he doesn't win six man here yet again. Uh, yet again, they might as well just call it the Lou Williams Trophy. Yeah, honestly, honestly, they like, should. Him or Jamal Crawford is <laughs> like the Jamal Crawford always used to get it. Like he's taken yeah. that reign now of winning the six man. Yeah, he has been unbelievable. I love his his sort of. Um, his sort of jump left fadeaway seems like mm. it's m- like money every time. I think at the end of the game, you know, it's crazy saying this. You've got um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. In a way, I'd almost rather see Lou Williams with the ball because he <laughs> can close, man. He can close. Because his, yeah, like I say, his shot sort of, he fades left, shoots a shot. That is, that's so hard to defend. He's going to be in the playoffs. I feel like he could be a clutch player yeah. i know you've got a team that's got paul george and Kawhi on it but i don't think paul george would close when you've got these two Kawhi, yeah. obviously see maybe he is potentially the best closer in basketball so maybe yeah. you give it to Kawhi because he will just he just backs his man down to the mid-range and then shoots an unstoppable yeah. two so potentially that that is that's the guy you go to i mean you who, kind of have who to, would have thought if we talked about the la clippers we'd talk about the bench more than the actual yeah but it just yeah. shows how good they are as a team that the yeah. fact that you could take two of the best guys off the team and put them on the bench in the NBA and then bring on two brilliant guys who just will dominate. Like they, they just seem like, I'd hate to be a defender on a team coming against me. Like, right, I'll take them two off. Oh, lovely, I'll get a break. Oh, no, right, Montreal Howell's on and Lou Williams. Well, oh. Exactly. Most teams, when the bench is on, is, is sort of a chance to exploit, yeah. um, exploit it. But, yeah, not for the Clippers. Let's just pivot over to the Eastern Conference because you are a Bucks fan, Danny. Yep. And um, in terms of this, you know, we're talking about Luca for MVP. To be honest, I think it's slightly criminal that this man hasn't hasn't been talked about as much um, as he has, and that's Giannis Antetokounmpo, because yep. the guy is doing he's doing more than what he did last year. I think it's fair to say. I don't know how <laughs> he's, he's doing better than what he did last year. His three point shots coming along, um, and yet honestly, like. No one really talks about the Bucks with their 19 and three record, joint best in the he's NBA with the LA 31 Lakers. He's averaging 31 points in 31.7 minutes. Man. It's meant, and he's hardly shooting threes. Like he's getting better, but this is like more of a throwback. A player who doesn't shoot any threes, but is somehow getting 30 points, and he's averaging over 13. Well, he's 13.2 rebounds. The only bit you could say is his weakness on is the assist. But nowadays he doesn't have to. There was that year I think before they were Eric Bledsoe where he averaged. He was the highest average in all categories because he had to do everything. Yeah. But now you've got Bledsoe and you've got a few more playmakers on the team. It's not a bigger problem, but his game isn't about playmaking and he's still getting like five assists. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's not that's you know far from bad. I think that's the thing with the Bucks' offense. It's uh, it's quite nice in terms of their their ball movement, isn't it? Pe- mm. Players players still get to their get to the spots around the three point line, open the lane for Giannis, and he can drive and kick, and he does that pretty well, to be honest. And the Bucks are absolutely rolling through the Eastern Conference, nineteen and three. I was watching a video on why how he was. It was released about a year ago by um, oh, I can't remember who's by now, but um, by the Ringer, I believe. Okay. Uh, very good basketball in depth. Incredibly analysis. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they did a video on it on their YouTube channel. Uh, which is also really good. And it was basically just saying, like, um, uh, it was, like, why he's so unstoppable is that if you give him, if you stand off and give enough room, he'll assist someone who play make or he may give a shot. But if you give him enough room, 
and you'd be like, well, he's not going to shoot because obviously he hasn't, he, at that time, he didn't have a really good three-point shot. Yeah. He'll just run at you. And because he's so big, when he runs at you, you can't stop him. Mm. And if you do, you draw a foul and then he gets a, a free throw. Yeah. So he's just so insolvable because you can't give him room. And if you do go up to him, he'll just back you down and you can't beat him. Yeah. Just looking at his, uh, his stats here, it's actually jumped at me. He's shooting five threes per game this year, um, up from only 2.8 last season. And he's making 1.6. So that's uh, that's not an amazing uh, average of 31.8%, but that's better than anything else he's done in his career so far on way more attempts. Yeah. And that shows the three-point shot is really coming along. And I, I, I'm not sure it'll ever reach, <laughs> it'll ever be like a 40% shot. I, I think you kind of, you you know. I d- yeah, I don't think he's got the right mechanics when I yeah. watch him. But if he could just become a decent shooter. If you can get that up to 34, 35%, yeah. um, that will make him... I mean, I'll make him even better. But yeah, just just look at this. One blemish perhaps on his record this season, only shooting 59% from the free throw line. And for yeah. a guy who gets 11 per game, uh, he could be scoring a lot more points. Maybe he's a new Shaq in that sense that people will just foul him because they're like, they know that if it comes to crunch time, they're like, well, they know they could slow him down. Yeah. And there's more chance of him. I'd rather get fouled out and he only gets three points than get like six or eight points if you just leave him open play. Yeah, I mean, if that if the percentage stays that low, then yeah. defi- definitely that. I mean, in previous seasons, he's been in the mid-70s, so perhaps there'll be a regression to the norm yeah. um, there. But yeah, I mean, look, why do you think the Bucks don't get like as much love as other teams? Is it just because they're quite a small market team? I, that is the first um, reason that popped to my head was that Especially also you have two LA teams that are just, I don't think this has ever, well, yes, this really never happened in my mind on the NBA that you've had two teams in LA who are both amazing at the same time. Mm. And obviously LA outside New York is the biggest market. Yeah, definitely. Um, Or maybe the biggest market, depending on your view. So you've got like the biggest or second biggest market with two of the, the biggest teams. And then you've got Mil- like Milwaukee, which isn't really a big place. Mm. Not at all. It's not the biggest market. And Eastern Conference in the last few years has been dominated by LeBron. And I think just last year, it was so weak compared to... Mm. Well, outside Toronto, it was kind of... Yeah. It was it brought up a bit, but the last year, the West was still so strong. Definitely. I think there's no doubt in the West last year was stronger. I think yeah. potentially this year, you could, you could have a debate. Um, but yeah. um, I think... Do you also think there's a thing people... <laughs> People don't love the way Giannis plays. Like he's he's kind of normalized being <laughs> being like a physically amazing. Yeah. That people aren't like shocked when he you know has like five unassisted dunks per game. And would you say there's more of a swing towards like the great shooters of the game? I think we yeah I think over the last few years there's been that general trend of really I was thinking about this the other day when I was in the uh, I was just in the city center walking around and I was just having a, a coffee and I was sitting there thinking just about the NBA and just kind of how Steph Curry changed the game so much and that we moved away from this mid-range dunking athletic game to a more skillful three-point shooting game. Yeah. And that trend has obviously gone on to now and we see more three-points. That's why I feel like a lot of European players are doing so well is because they generally know how to shoot the three-ball pretty decent. Yeah. But it's kind of... I guess it's because, like you said, he doesn't play... He plays more like a physical... Dunking game, layup game, get into the rim. Yeah, whereas I think he doesn't have he doesn't really have handles. Thing is, he does have handles. Yeah, but they're they're different. They're like powerful ones. They're like, like the two hand like, on the ball over the. Yeah, court. they're like these monster euro steps. Yeah, 
Whereas Doncic, to bring it back to our earlier conversation, he gets the ball on the floor, he'll put a spin move on, he'll go between the legs, Harden as well, and then he'll step back from yeah. three. And people go wild for that. Same like uh, Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie as well. And people love watching that. Whereas it seems like people don't love watching Giannis just barrel his way in and yeah. dunk over two players. Um, to be fair, the, only, the last highlight I've seen of Giannis... Out of like, because like more of them are like that, where you see Trey Young pulling back and shooting yeah. from like fifty feet back or wherever he can shoot yeah. from. And when Steph was not injured, he was the same. The last one I saw was uh, when was he played? They played New York when he just dunked on Julius Randle. He barged him down, turned around, and then just slammed one right on. Like just, it was from. He looked like he was about ten foot back because obviously his arms were so big. He just got it to the rim and just destroyed. Randall. Yeah, well, he had he had a fifty point game recently, didn't he? Yeah, uh, I can't. Who was that over? Utah against Utah. Yeah, there you go. So Giannis had a fifty point game against Utah, and I remember not hearing about that until like a week later. And I thought, if ev- any other player in the league drops fifty, I'm hearing about that straight away. Well, it was a fifty points win it for Harden against San Antonio. Yeah, sixty. 60 uh, yeah. Oh no, sorry, it was fifty. 50. It was 60 fifty against sixty in three quarters yeah. um, against the Hawks. It was, and in, obviously that uh, the mysterious dunk that Harden did, which went in but didn't go in, apparently for the rest. <laughs> yes, let's just go off on a tangent and talk about that. That was against San Antonio. Um, so yeah, they were up by about fourteen at the time, I think. So yeah. He dunks the ball, goes through the net, but then sort of gets like it goes fully through the rim, so it should count. Yeah, gets caught in the net and flicks back up. Yeah, and then the refs don't give it, and then they don't allow the challenge. And San Antonio come back in that game, double overtime, and Leonie they win it. Leonie, was it Leonie Walker? Lonnie, Lonnie Walker, Walker, yeah. The fourth, he, um, he went, on, he, he went crazy. He had 19 points in the fourth quarter, so 28 points in the game. Yeah. He really went off, and obviously they won by two points, which is the big yeah. uh, controversy surrounding it. Yeah, so this, this doesn't look like it's going to stop either, the controversy, because there has been talk of Houston sort of challenging this through the NBA. Yeah. And uh, there is a precedent uh, of re- replaying... A game uh so it was i believe it was a hawks versus a heat game that Shaq uh playing the end of his career for the heat um and he was fouled out but only on five fouls with only 50 seconds to go and um the hawks went on to win that game but the heat then you know challenged it with the nba and they replayed those last 50 seconds um <laughs> Which, yeah, was a bit nutty. Um, but so there is a precedent for like, to like replay these last five minutes. I'd love to see that. I mean, yeah, it, would, it, would, be it, would, it would be like Park. It'd mm. be like, right, give the ball to Harden and just see how many yeah. points he can score. The nutty thing about that, um, about that Hawks Heat game was that when they replayed it, Shaq had been traded to the Suns. <laughs> so he, so even though it was him, his, his uh, involvement, his involvement. That had caused the replay of the game. He he actually wasn't wasn't available to play the second. That's quite funny. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, that was very strange. And then the, the Hawks, incidentally, they didn't score a single point in the like last fifty seconds and won anyway. So yeah, it was bizarre, bizarre. But anyway, perhaps yeah. in the future we'll see a replayed uh, Rockets San Antonio Spurs game. But yeah. Um, talking about the East, I think the other reason why is that you've got Kyrie at the Nets now, and that's obviously a big market team being in New York. Um. Or just Brooklyn, just yeah, New York. Yeah. And then you've got the boss, Boston Celtics who are doing really well. And obviously the Raptors are still doing, like Siakam is, 
in that same list, I was saying top five MVPs earlier. Siakam was put number fifth by this guy. Uh, like, it, I think, I just think because Milwaukee's a smaller kind of, and you obviously got the Miami Miami Heat doing very well. I think Milwaukee just small that, and maybe because even though he's doing better than last year, he should be win by that definition because he won the MVP last year. He was doing better this year. He should win it. I think I think he should definitely be like yeah. the number one runner for MVP this season. I mean, he's got the best. He's the best player on the best team, if you record look, wise. Yeah, and if you but then if you look at the top five, you've got Boston second, the Raptors third, Philadelphia fourth, and the Heat fifth. Like, and then yeah. the Nets are seventh. In the top eight, you've got six. Sort of five, yeah, five big market teams. Yeah. Um, and I just think, like, you've got a lot of commentators who support the Celtics and a lot of, and it's just natural that you'll and because they've suddenly turned it around. Like a lot of teams, like who didn't expect it, they're focusing on them. Whereas, pretty much for the last three years, the Bucks have been either the best or third, a uh, top three team in the East. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Do you think, um, the Bucks will go all the way this year? Is a big question. Mm, possibly. I mean, there's something... I want to say yes, but part of me want to say no, but just because I don't think the Raptors... The Raptors could surprise me. I said, I said last year I don't think they would win, and they won. But I just feel like without Kawhi... Kawhi's a little X factor, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. I, mean, I know Siakam could win most improved again, mm. but I feel like there's that slight, that slight advantage I had with Kawhi is missing this year. Mm. I think Siakam is is really interesting. He's almost a Kawhi-esque... Sorry, not Kawhi-esque. He's almost a Giannis-esque player Yeah. Um, in the fact that it's sort of physically, he's kind of unstoppable he's getting to the rim. Guy. Um, especially in transition. Like, y- you just you just can't stop him. And his shot's actually, from, from outside anyway, it's a bit it's a bit better than um, yeah. Giannis's. But, uh, yeah, so I would love to see that as a matchup. Same. I think it'd be pretty good. Um, I think Giannis would slightly have the edge in him just because he's bit more experience than he's I think Giannis is definitely a better player at this point in time um they're on the same age are they They both started basketball really late it's so strange isn't it but, yeah but um I think it's weird because the east is so odd this year and that and I think I don't mean really, I can't judge the heat I feel the heat could be weird you guys they got my bucks and I would just like blow them out and sweep sweat them mm. or they could be like their bogey team yeah, just because of how weird they've been this year, but and it, I feel like the 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 Phillies have not been doing as a uh, 49ers have not been doing as well as I thought they'd be 76ers. doing. 76ers, 76ers, well, 49ers getting mixed up now. Uh, Wrong sport, mate. Yeah, Wrong talk, sport. I was talking to my house earlier about NFL and I'm just stuck my head. Yeah, um, yeah. So 76ers. Um, uh, yeah, I just feel like that. I'm Embiid hasn't been doing as well as he was last year. I think he's definitely a drop off, but if he picks it up, he could be a bit of a problem. Yeah, Philly are the one with the sort of starting five on paper that's the best in the east yeah. and yet they actually are doing poorer don't don't seem to be able to uh to put it together so yeah and look i think the celtics are the bucks big but then i feel like they'll get to the final i just think the celtics could be their biggest challenge yeah because of how more cohesive they seem this year and just mm. better structure than they did last year i feel like kemba fits the mold of what yeah uh, brad stevens wants that uh, Boston rather than what Kyrie was mm, definitely uh, definitely there's no doubt they're a lot happier camp this year mm. um, no but I, I think I definitely back the Bucks to, to make the NBA finals um, but then coming up against maybe it's a team from LA maybe it's uh, Denver maybe it's Denver <laughs> I'd be surprised if it was Denver maybe it's Utah maybe it's the Rockets my Rockets 
Cowboy possibility. Rockets. It really, you know, I would like this. If the Rockets' final hopes really depend on how well Harden can play in the half se- off season. Mm. And I know Westbrook could be a big. He's a very. He's kind of got a bit of a clutch. He, we've seen him like pull games back, and he, he he's got yeah, that desire. I think he's more <laughs> he's more likely to shoot you out of a game than into yeah. a game. Um, and I've seen him already this season shoot the Rockets out of several games. And to be fair, I've I've also seen Harden shoot the Rockets out of games. Yeah. It just depends whether he's going to shoot them into more games than out of, essentially. That's thing, yeah. And Harden's a bit more consistent with that. You kind of know what you're going to get. Um, and basically, over a seven-game series, we need Russ to give us four good games compared to, you know, three bad games, essentially. I'm, I'm a bit worried that if, like, when it comes to the playoffs with Harden, that they will... Um just they'll find a way to mark him out. Mm. That's but um if it's the the only issue is if it's any of the LA teams, I'd be a bit worried for the Bucks because they haven't got this duo that we've talked about. And I feel that I don't want to say they're so reliant on Giannis, but if you mark Giannis at the game, mm. that's essentially that like, you're done yeah. in a way. Like don't, no no offense to Eric Bledsoe, I'm a big fan of him. Mm. Uh, same Brock Lopez and uh, like. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. Yeah, like Chris Middleton, big fan. Like the fact that he's a low draft pick that's suddenly become like fringe all star player. Yeah. Um, I just feel like they they could be one game where one of them could just suddenly pick up and they could win it for them. Mm. But I don't think there's more than that. If that makes sense. Yeah, I do think stopping Giannis is far easier said than done, though. And yeah. uh, I think if the Bucks get to the to the finals, I think that's going six or seven games who, at least. Who would you? Which team? Which LA team would you say is better? Something honest? Because if you think about, it, you've got mm. LeBron and AD, who are both yeah. very physical, very physically. Uh, I guess just what's the right word? Like they're just they're not massive. What, yeah, they're not what normal <laughs> people are. They're they're, they're, yeah. they're what like you design on a computer game. Yeah, and I think AD so far is probably the defensive player of the year this mm. year. And potentially he's the guy best suited to yeah to uh, guard guard Giannis. But I think the thing is, if any any team is going to have to throw more than yeah. one man at Giannis, and then you've got the Clippers, you've got the two of the, some of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah, I think but it's Giannis is so hard to stop. Yeah, Giannis Giannis has a big height advantage over any of the Clippers' best defenders. Yeah, which could prove crucial. So from that point of view, AD is the guy I think who could who could best guard him, but. Again, I don't think the Lakers. I think the Lakers will struggle to get past the Clippers. So look, it, it could be it could be a case of sort of a rock paper scissors thing. That yeah. The Clippers beat the Lakers. Lakers are able to beat the Bucks, and the Bucks can beat the Clippers potentially. It's like the thing um, when you beat this team, therefore you're the best until someone else beats you because they they all can beat each other, but they can't beat. It's, yeah. It is exactly. So it, this is why I think this is for anyone who's ever just getting the NBA. I think this is probably the most interesting year you could get into. Oh, definitely. Just because. It was amazing at times to watch the Warriors and how I don't think we'll ever see for a long time a, do- a team that dominant. Just especially like from their first win to the well, last year or the year before. Even their 71 win season, I know they didn't win the, the, the championship. In many ways, I was... I All credits to the Cleveland Cari- Clav- Cavaliers. I still think the Warriors are the better team that year. Oh, definitely. There's and no doubt they, about they it. Was just, they just had a really bad postseason. Yeah, well, they were knackered yeah. as well from the seventy-three wins. So, um, yeah, it, it was uh, it was tough for them. I mean, yeah, I think it's important not to take the Warriors for granted because we were witness to one of the best teams of all time, possibly the best. An argument yeah. for that. Uh, but now that it's the the dynasty is over somewhat, um, it is so nice to see a bit of unpredictability in the league. Yeah, like I can't, I got favourites, but I can't pinpoint down who's going to win it. Whereas the last year when we talked about it um 
and it was it was very much just like well we all know the Warriors are going to win or we're yeah. going to get to the final. Yeah, you try and make it dramatic. You're like, oh, oh the Warriors are struggling. Yeah, maybe the, the Rockets are they on 12, 13 winning games. Yeah, maybe, like, maybe the Rockets will do it. But sort of deep down, you know, like when it comes to it, the Warriors are going to are gonna be that team. Oh, of course, they didn't win it last yeah. year. I mean, <laughs> what we're saying, but... It was um, always very much you knew they were going to be in the final. Yeah, exactly. And this season, none of that at yeah. all. But we will find out, Joe. Uh, here on the Step Back Podcast because we will be with you right up until the postseason. Yeah. But that just about does us for today. Thank you very much, Danny, for joining me. Um, hope to catch up with you very soon. You got any nice Christmas plans? Uh, just going home. I haven't been home this semester, so it's quite nice to just go home. I'll probably just do work, but, you know, just relax a bit. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Back to the valleys. Yep. The valleys. Oh, Danny boy. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, listener. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Step Back Podcast. See you then. The Step Back Pod is hosted by John Rogers, brought to you in association with Ben FM.